All right. Hello, everybody. So I just had some thoughts while I was working out and I wanted to um, go through some of them with you and get your get any of your feedback while I can in this little endeavor, the Troubadour magazine and the Troubadour pa- podcast. And um, we'll make sure we're getting. OK, good. Just making sure we're getting sound over here. Sometimes I worry about the quality of stuff. I, I still, if you were interested, by the way, I got a couple new pieces of equipment. I've, I know in the past I've done videos on that and you guys were interested. But anyway, for this video, uh, you know, I had some thoughts about the Troubadour magazine, the submissions I'm getting and the questions I'm getting about the purpose of the, the magazine and what I'm trying to accomplish. And there's a lot that I'm trying to accomplish. I mentioned some things yesterday, but I wanted to mention one of the catalysts. Uh, hey, Mitch, Steven, how's it going? I'm glad you hear me. Appreciate it, brother. Uh, thank you for, for joining me. And I know I still got to hear from you about, um, you know, some of the things that we've been talking about for the show that I'm putting on. So I, I hope you like my bear rug behind me. And um, yeah, so anyway, so what I'm trying to do with the podcast and with or with, with the magazine and this whole brand and endeavor and you know getting Jeremiah Cobra and, and other authors like that. And if you notice if you go to Troubadour Mag, I have right alongside Jeremiah and and um Maddox and a few other writers that are coming up. And then I haven't even really started advertising for writers. So I'm gonna start putting it out there to get more and more writers and uh, to kind of fill up, but I'm going to continue to put classic authors and contemporaries. So like um, I might put some, you know, if I get the copyright, someone a little bit earlier, uh, that's not just the 1850s, right? And not just the 1700s or not, you know, I'm going to do Homer at some point. So what I'm looking for is a certain type of um, attempt by an author, a certain experiment, a certain type of way of using language to really move things and change things. And that the catalyst and the, or I should say the inspiration for me, one of the main inspirations, or I shouldn't even say that there have been many inspirations. I've been thinking about this for five years. I've been studying literature all of my adult life. And one of the big inspirations though, is a book called lyrical ballads by William Wordsworth and Samuel Coleridge, Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Now, this is, but in academia and in most professional literature people, this is considered the birth, the publication of this book is considered the birth of the formal romantic uh, movement. So, of course, there are other, you know, elements. There's Victor Hugo in drama. But overall, this is often considered, especially in English romantic movement, the, the birth of it. But some, you know, of course, there's elements of of romanticism all the way back to Homer and all the way into the future, and we're going to explore that with the Troubadour podcast and the Troubadour um, magazine. So I wanted to read a little bit of this, and if anybody had questions, great. If not, I hope you'll listen to the reading. I'll, I'll maybe give some commentary along the way. It's actually in something called, if you can see that, the advertisement. So if you've ever seen that. That just is like a notice to readers, and I'm I'm sure it's where we get the term today for advertisement. It's a notice for here's, but it, this one is like um you know notice for here's what to expect, here's what we're trying to do, and it's uh, basically just a notice to readers, an introduction of of a sorts. It is honorable. It is the honorable characteristic of poetry that its materials are to be found in every subject which can interest the human mind. 
So if you ever wonder why I like wide ranging conversations and, um, you know, I, I tend to want topic, you know, any kind of topic. So if you want to talk about furniture and architecture, that's, that's open too. The main focus is the use of language is one of the main integrating factors that I'm looking for is, a, you know, is, and, and it's, we'll get into this as I continue to read, but it's very difficult for critics to explain it, which is why I'm showing it. And the only thing you can do to really understand the, the kind of thing that I'm looking for and what I think the community I'm trying to build of writers is by reading the other writers that I've chosen, the contemporary ones, the modern ones, the classic ones, and the, the ancient ones, like all of them. And, and to, to criticize and say that this shouldn't belong and this is why it shouldn't belong. And here's where, here's what I think is writer or here's what's good about this and here's what's bad about this. And this kind of back and forth discourse is one of the main inspirations for having the podcast, the, the whole community that I'm, that I'd like to build. And I hope that you'll join me in building. Okay. Let me continue. The evidence of this fact is to be sought not in the writing of crit, writings of critics, but in those of poets themselves. The majority of the following poems are to be considered as experiments. They were written chiefly, chiefly with a view to ascertain how far the language of conversation in the middle and lower classes of society is adapted to the purposes of poetic pleasure. So one of the experiments of the Romantics, and, and this I think can be read in a lot of good and bad ways, but one of the experiments, one of the things that they were trying to do is Throughout history, and, and there had been this classical development, uh, this development of poetry and language and the way that it was used, that it was very formalized that this was poetic language, this was philosophical language, this was everyday language, right? It, it's kind of like there's, there's Latin and there's pig Latin almost, or not pig Latin, but what was, I can't remember the term of it, but like bird Latin. Or, I, I took a linguist class long ago, and there's a term, if anybody remembers, please put it in the comments. But, um, you know, the term when it, it's, um, it's kind of adopted. Uh, a formal language is, is adopted. It's not colloquial. It's it's like uh, the the pigeon pigeon. There we go. <laughs> Some kind of bird. Um, so it's like you know pit. It's like pigeon language and or you know pigeon French or pit where people are mangling the language. But the purpose of it, of course, is to interact and to understand. Now English at this point had developed. You know you know English is a, a developed was really formalized by Chaucer by. Shakespeare. And at this point in 1798, though, the language had really codified a little bit more over the you know last couple, couple hundred or the previous couple hundred years. So they decided to try a, an experiment here. And the experiment is to um, how far the language of conversation in the middle and lower classes of society is adapted to the purposes of poetic pleasure. Now, that's not to say that they were literally listening to what people were saying and just just basically talking like normal people they were you know he'll go into that and we'll talk about it a little bit more pop possibly if you're interested but he he did more than that with he added a flair and imaginativeness to it this is the the birth of what i or what i think is really romanticism or especially in style and dialogue i think there's something very special about what they're adding to the everyday language but there's i, I really like the everyday language this is why i like conversation i think it's very important in you know and why the shows that i do tend to be conversational or at least i tried for that and i want to do more shows like that in the future because i think in for instance political and and in cultural topics that we have in our culture today and these controversial issues the only way we're going to 
overcome them is if we figure out how to bridge the gap between two sides that completely see things so differently that in my experience and listening to them, they're literally, even though they're both speaking technically English, they're literally using the words diametrically opposed to one another, especially when we're going with broad abstraction. So we have a language problem. There's a conceptualization in how people are holding the meaning and the emotions and the feelings and they're reading different things. And there's such a, there's such a corpus of work that exists in the world today that you can have two fundamental schism, you know, people living door, next door to each other. And they literally, when they look at a business that one person sees one thing, when another person looks at, you know, Walmart, they see something completely different. When, and, the, and, and we have to figure out how to bridge even if they disagree, even if they don't like each other, but there has to be a way or are, I really believe that we will tear ourselves apart. We have to unify through language. We have to figure out lingos and ways to, you know, communicate with each other to better, you know, appreciate that. And so the, the purpose of Coleridge here, and, and this is really Wordsworth, I think, um, the per, what he's trying to do with this experiment is he's actually trying to find the convert, the everyday conversations and build an imaginative world with them and a, a poetic world with them. And, you know, similarly, I'm trying to find that, you know, um, that bridge, that imaginative world that we can both live in with everyday conversation. And this is why it's called discourse back and forth and understanding. It. Okay. Let me, let me, of course, you know, I do want to say I'm not trying to write poetry, and he is. So he's creating a certain kind of art. You know, there's something else that I was trying to do. Okay. So if you have questions, if you want to talk about, you know, the Troubadour uh, magazine, what I'm trying to accomplish, how you can submit, please let me know. I see some of you are watching um, and I appreciate that. So, okay. Give me your thoughts. Readers accustomed to the gaudiness and inane phraseology of many modern writers, if they persist in reading this book to its conclusion, will perhaps frequently have to struggle with feelings of strangeness and awkwardness. They will look around for poetry and will be induced to inquire by what species of courtesy these attempts can be permitted to assume that title. It is desirable that such readers, for their own sakes, should not suffer the solitary word poetry, a word of very disputed meaning, to stand in the way of their gratification but that while they are perusing this book, they should ask themselves if it contains a natural delineation of human passions, human characters, and human incidents. And if the answer be favorable to the author's wishes, that they should consent to be pleased in spite of that most dreadful enemy of our pleasures, our own pre-established codes of decision. So I really like that, you know, the, the sentiment there. It is desirable that if you're a reader that don't go into a poem with your preconceived notions of poetry. Don't go into a conversation with, you know, stuck in your preconceived notions of how to think about a certain issue. Go into it, you know, with the best of your ability to just appreciate what's happening in the moment, what's going on. Right now I'm doing a four-part series on Nathaniel Hawthorne and the birth of science fiction. I've read two so far, and I'm working on the next podcast and the next um in the next posting of it, the first one was Dr. Heidegger's experiment. The second one was the birthmark. I'm now reading the Rappuccini's daughter. And then the last one is the, the artist of the beautiful. 
Now, <clears throat> the reason I'm doing this and what I'm trying to um, what I'm trying to show with this is how these romantics developed and created all the genres that we have today, and why why only a romantic. You know what it is about romanticism that invents. There's something about the romantic that invents. You know, I think Henry Ford was very romantic. He said, um, "What?" what and and um, so was Steve Jobs, for instance. Like the great inventors always have a romantic notion. We even, you know, call it that sometimes. Like he's very romantic in the way he talks and the way he thinks. You know, and Henry Ford said, um, "If I gave the people what they wanted, I would just give them a faster horse." That's a very romantic way of talking and thinking. And that in order to invent new things, to move into new bounds and into new realms, like moving into development of the car and the, uh, the, the assembly line, that can only be done with romantic thinking, only be done with a romantic sentimentality, and which is part of the goal, the defender of romanticism of the Troubadour podcast, one of the, the goals that we're trying to accomplish here. So I, I really hope that that, you know, interests you and that you want to be a part of that. And the only way to do that is to, you know, education has this um, mentality that it's separated from the writing and, and um, you know, creating and, and the living of everyday life. But I think of them as the same. This is why I put classic literature and this isn't, I don't want Poe to be read only in school. I want Poe to actually be read, you know, and I, I don't want Jeremiah Cobra only to be read, you know, in a although I'm sure being in school would be great, but I want him to be read by everyday people as well. Okay, so um, readers of superior... I'm going to continue. Readers of superior judgment may disapprove of the style in which many of these pieces are executed. It must be expected that many lines and phrases will not exactly suit their, uh, their taste. It will perhaps appear to them that wishing to avoid the prevalent fault of the day the author has sometimes descended too low and that many of his expressions are too familiar and not of sufficient dignity. It is so, so notice how he's talking about he's defending himself in this advertisement and in, in the, the birth of romanticism in uh, this book. He's defending himself against critics and he's saying that these critics are going to attack that he's too low. So he's talking about going from, you know, up here in this poetical, you know, imaginative floating land that started getting wild and wilder and wilder. And in fact, some of the classic poets were of before him were considered what are what were called the metaphysical poets. And, you know, they're very about ideas and sometimes ideas disconnected from your everyday life. Whereas uh, Wordsworth and Coleridge are trying to bring it into your everyday life. So it's not merely about emulating the dialogue of a street bum. Like that's not what he's trying to do here. He's trying to instead bring it down to reality, bring it down to the reality of everyday humans and how they live their lives and making it relevant to their everyday life. And if you've listened to the podcast, you know that that's one of my missions. That's what I'm trying to do with all the projects I'm working on, whether it's my own writing or whether it's the podcast or interviews is how can we figure out how to use this to make our individual lives better? Because to me, I don't think there's any purpose of anything if it doesn't make your life good or better. Okay. Where was I? <laughs> it is apprehended that the more conversant 
the reader is with our elder writers and with those in modern times who have been the most successful in painting manners and passions, the fewer complaints of this kind will he have to make. So that's an interesting accusation to critics. As he's saying that if you understand the elder writers, the ancients, the ones who came before us, and also the best of our own era, you'll actually find that they're more like this conversant, more personal, everyday values and emotions and how a person, how a, an individual trying to live the best life that they can actually experiences life versus this high-minded, intellectually divorced, but divorced from reality um, kind of attempt at, um, you know, attempt in general. An accurate taste in poetry and in all the other arts, Sir Joshua Reynolds has observed, is an acquired talent which can only be produced by severe thought and a long-continued intercourse with the best models of composition. This is one of the main purposes of the of the, uh, the magazine, is that it's both entertainment and trying. You know, um, I, I you cannot teach poetry, you cannot explain or analyze poetry. You have to experience it. I mean, it's like sex in that way. You have to you have to experience it. It's even with good literature, you have to experience it. Period. That's all there is to it. You have to experience it. So. Part of the mission of anyone who's interested in poetry is to actually get people to read it and to just say, read this, read this, read this, just try it, try it and read it again and read it again and read it again. You know, and then once it clicks with the person, it's like, oh, that's why it's so great. And that's, you know, and, and this is why all often it's very important. The first poem that you recommend to somebody and I, whenever somebody asks me for a poetry recommendation, I, I want to talk to them a lot. And get to know them. Like I, I think if you ask my friends, I tend to give really good poetry recommendations to friends because I know them, and so I'm able to pick one just for them because it's really important that they like it and in just um, uh, the the first incl- inclination of it, and that they're able, you know, that they can run with it from there. Okay, this is mentioned not with so ridiculous a purpose as to prevent the most inexperienced reader from judging for himself but merely to temper the rashness of decision and to suggest that if poetry be a subject on which much time has not been bestowed, the judgment may be erroneous, and that in many cases it necessarily will be so. The tale of Goody Blake and Harry Gill is founded on a well-authenticated fact which happened in Warwickshire. Of the other poems in the collection, it may be proper to say that they are either absolute inventions of the author, like the rhyme of the ancient mariner, or facts which took place within his personal observation or that of his friends. The poem of the thorn, as the reader will soon discover, is not supposed to be spoken in the author's own person. The character or the loquacious narrator will sufficiently show him itself in the course of the story, the rhyme of the ancient mariner was professedly written in imitation of the style as well as the spirit of the elder poets. That's the you know the classics, the ancients. But with a few exceptions, the author believes that the language adopted in it has been equally intelligible for these three last centuries. The lines entitled Expostulation and Reply 
and those which follow are out of conversation with a friend who has somewhat unreasonably attached to modern books of moral philosophy. Okay, so that's the end of it. So anyway, I the whole purpose of that, you know, I wanted to keep this um, little podcast a little shorter. The purpose of this was hopefully you'll check out lyrical ballads, but more importantly, I hope you check out the Troubadour magazine and that you challenge yourself not to, you know, read the same things that you've always been reading. Try reading something else. And I'm here to help. That's the whole point is that I'm trying to, you know, we have a couple of writers already. We have a couple of people who are participating and it's my goal to help guide you through appreciating, understanding, very complicated and also just pure enjoyable poetry and literature. And there is a value to your life and you won't, you know, and, and I've talked about it a lot in the podcast. I hope you go through it and listen to some of them, but you're not going to get any of that value and enjoyment and the pure pleasure intellectually and physically and sensually in, in the living of your life without trying it, without going into it and, and pushing yourself just like you push yourself in the gym. Okay. So until next time, thank you so much. And if you have any questions or comments, please put them below. Also writers, please submit. I have a couple, um, you know, submissions I've been working, you know, and I, I've already emailed most of the writers, but I want to let you know, even if you're, if it's not a good fit, whatever your, your work is, your poem, your fic, your short story or your essay, please keep, you know, pushing, keep writing. The goal is not to just find the greatest writers that already exist fully developed. Although if you're there and you got that great, bring it on by. The goal is to have a community where we're also the writers are also helping each other with their work around the inspiration of these great works that we should be emulating. Okay. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next time.